first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. He's already been dead and it's messed with his head. It's John's post-life crisis. Welcome to John's Post-Life Crisis. I am your host, John Johnston, founder of CornNation.com, your Nebraska Cornhusker site of everlasting hope and optimism. Today we're talking with Jeremy Slechta, a guy who played defensive tackle for Nebraska from 1998 to 2001. Uh, He was all Big 12, and he played on the team that played for the national championship in the Rose Bowl. He spent two years in the NFL with Philadelphia in Houston. Did I get uh, – does that sound good? Did I get yeah. that right? Yeah. Okay. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I am uh, – we're recording this right before the Maryland game, a game we should win, and it won't come out until after the Maryland game. And next year I have to change how this schedule works because it's kind of goofy. But uh, um, how am I? I'm kind of needles, aren't you? <laughs> What's that? I said you're on pins and needles, aren't you? About this game, we should win. Well, here's the thing: you're looking at two games. We played a lot to get better against Wisconsin. You know, we we looked like the yeah. the offense at least looked like the offense we expected to see most of the season. We have yeah. two games left. Uh, you know, there's a possibility that we end up in a bowl game still. If we don't end up in a bowl game, then I have to spend like eight months with a website where all the negative people get to have their chance to beat us to death. Oh, yeah. And it makes for a horrible offseason because you you know that there's those guys that are out there that are like, well, Scott Frost isn't the right guy and this is horrible. And they just get a beat on you and hound you. And, I, unless I hear you every day, every day. And I'm just like, gosh, I mean, I want to say you have no idea what you're talking about. Well, like, you know what? Let's start start there. Um, why is that that they have no idea? I mean, from my perspective, it's kind of like if Scott Frost can't get this done, we might as well just tank it all. Well, the thing about it is, you know, I deal with it every day I, in work and stuff. Uh, there's pretty much – I would say 90% of the people I deal with know that I'm, you know, was a Husker and that I played there. So always in the, every conversation I have every day is, what do you think about the team? What do we got to do? You know, things like that. And the thing about it is, and then I get a lot of these people that are, you know, want to bash Frost. I'm like, it's year two. I know there was a lot of buildup going into it, but it's year two. My first, my first thing I want to say to them is, who are you going to get that's better, first of all? Because, I mean, you're not – Nick Saban's not coming here. And, you know, he's doing what he can with the talent that he has. And right right now he's trying to build that, you know, and I, I think that it'll take a little bit of time. And that's 
just the way it is. I mean, everybody, nobody comes in. This this program, ever since Solich was fired and Bill Callahan came in, has kind of steadily been on a decline. Bo Pelini brought some, you know, decent seasons, you know, a little bit of consistency. Um, and then, but but really, we've kind of just been in, on on a downward spiral since Callahan showed up. So all that, if you think about how much time it took to tear it down, think about how much time it's going to take to build it back up. So, and there's nobody better than a guy like Frost who understands the culture and what he wants and what he wants it to be like here. So it's all a process of implementing all that stuff to make it what everybody wants. People forget that Scott Frost was one of the hottest hires when we got him. He wasn't just Absolutely. the hottest hire for Nebraska. He was like one of the most sought after coaches across the nation. Correct. Yeah, and that's exactly it. And and but people are quick to forget that. Unfortunately, um, you know, with obviously this podcast is you know, social media, all the things that that are out there that you can follow and all the information that is right at your fingertips on everything, or should I say lack thereof information, a lot of opinions that are out there for you. So it's like, it only takes a couple people to start saying, oh, the coach needs to go. Then it's like Pied Piper, you know, and everybody's following in line and just jumping on the bandwagon thinking, yeah, the coach should go, coach should go. And I'm like, I mean, you, you want to ask half these people, and sometimes I do, honestly, when they poke enough buttons. I'm like, and how many downs of football have you never played? Uh, you know, so I, what makes you an expert on the situation? So there, there's a lot of that that you're, you're trying to be like, hey, this it's not all negative. How about look for the bright spots and look for this stuff? Because sooner or later, they're going to get to that point where they're not just improving, but they're finding a way to win in them, in them close games, in them dogfights. They're going to find a way to come out with the W. And that's what that's what you're doing. That becomes a mentality of those players, and and that's what Frost is trying to bring to them. And you know, he is a great coach. He was, like you said, sought after by everybody. And fortunate, his roots to Nebraska brought him back here. Okay, do you, do you, when you have conversations with people, do you use that line? How many downs of football have you played? Do you mash them into the ground with that? Well, if they if they are getting if they are getting because some people like come at me like some people just want my opinion and just ask and they're you know fairly polite about it and they they kind of think well I don't know I I think he should maybe go you know and that's fine I'm not I'm not getting upset with that but it's it's the guys that that come at me and like try and tell me like <laughs> I'm wrong I don't know. How would I know? I, they know better than me. That, it's the guys like that that all of a sudden think they're experts because, you know, they've read some articles and, you know, and they watch the game every Saturday. So now they think they're an expert. It's those guys that I will I'd be like, oh, really? And where did you play your college ball at? And, you know, things like that. So, and, and they're like, oh, uh, you know, and then they get kind of quiet. It upsets them, but it, kind of puts them in their place like you're not you're you're not an expert on this have your opinion speak about it that's fine but don't try and tell other people that you know better than them all the time 
Okay, so that's where we're going. We were going with your expertise today. I'm going to ask you, uh, what is specifically the defensive line? Because that's where you made your your fun. That's where you where you played. Uh, sure. When you look at our defensive line, what do you see? Well, I honestly, I think our defensive line is really. I think they're they're pretty good. Um, and from from a uh, what you want in the front three of a three four, I think they they have. I, I honestly, I would say it's probably one of their better you know spots on the team. Um, however, when you're playing a three four, you're also talking. There's a lot of open space with um, no one covering up guards, and you know there's linebackers have to be able to make make plays and get off blocks and stuff where um, it it's the whole combination of both that that what I'm going to call the front seven and that three four you know it's it's a combination of both of what makes the uh, a defense good and I think honestly I think our defense line is fairly decent they're not great against the pass rush obviously with and you'll see that in the three four I mean they'll get they kind of they're kind of more push the pocket guys than they are going to be, you know, come off the edge and run around you, which that's to be um, expected with the size they are. I mean, the, all three of those guys are just beasts up front. So, um, you know, the line, it's, it, it, it's a little bit difficult to uh, uh, judge them because they're going to get a lot of that blame for all that running and, and you know, anytime someone has a big run and stuff, but the problem is, it's, it's the backers too have to be accountable for that in that type of defense. There's a lot of moving elements to it with when you're running a zone, for example, at uh, different times, different guys are going to have different gaps. You know, uh, for example, the nose. You know, there might be one time where he's supposed to. Uh, Cover strong side A might be one time where he's supposed to have backside A. It it always is is changing, and the the backers have to be able to read that and then react to that, and you know get their fits right as well. That was one thing I I, I thought is if you're going to run a three four, you you better have you, you're really going to need superior athletes. Um, from your front three guys, just got to be giant beasts that can push guys around. Uh, basically, they're going to have to be 300-plus guys and still be able to move their feet well. And then you go to your backers, they're going to have to be guys that are smart, smart enough to see things developing in front of them and then being able to attack. Um, where it differs from like the 4-3, where it's a little bit more strictly gap responsibility and having your fit so you know in a 4-3 if you're the three technique you got the b gap if you're the shade on the center you got that a gap the backer knows he's got the one a gap the other backer got the b gap i mean everybody knows where they fit um the moving parts in the three four requires a lot better athletes in, in my opinion to be able to um to handle all that stuff because it's gonna everything's gonna develop a lot more on the move instead of just knowing where to attack right away. Okay, that 
So what we're looking at is like a 3-4 versus a 4-3. I mean, if if you were to say, let's say we looked at our team and we said, well, we can, it would be better for us to run a 4-3 because maybe we have better athletes up front than we do linebackers. How difficult is it for a coach to just say, oh, we're going to just change that? You know what I mean? Um, it's it's really not because, to be honest with you, you can if you watch their games, uh, there there are times that they're uh, basically in that formation. Um, it's basically comes down to you'll see what you with with Nebraska kind of what you'd see is uh, you'll see one of the ends um, reduced down to like a three technique. The other end is still playing like a five technique, which is out over the tackle. And then they bring in Stilly into the game as another rush in. Now you're basically into your front four with your three backers. I mean, they they do run, you know, it, it's different ways of getting into it um, by re- reducing, you know, one end down. It's, it's different how they how they kind of start one spot and get into another, but it's. Um, it's really it's not difficult. I mean, it it's would be extremely simple uh, compared to what they're trying to get done now. If you just told this guy, "Hey, I want you to attack the inside shoulder of this guy," you got this guy. But, I mean, it's not. I want you to read this guy. I want you to gap it in or whatever. You know, if he's block if it's zone scheme one way you've got the front side a um zone scheme the other side you got the front side a and then you know uh they there's they're two gapping though on that, that uh, sometimes in that three fours opposed to just hitting a gap or playing half a man so to speak where the four three you're playing you know pretty much a half a man the whole time and responsible for a gap to where i mean it's simple compared to what they're doing now. So why I know I'm asking you to speculate, but that's what we do. You know, when we're talking on the radio, we're doing podcasts, we're writing articles. I mean, like you, most of us haven't played college football. So yes, I'm asking you to speculate. Why don't you think, why do you think they don't just change so that the defense is a little bit better this year? Um, you know, I, I, I think it maybe just a little bit of, of stubbornness that this is this is our our defense and this is what we're going to run, you know. Um, plus, it's what they've been working on and practicing and stuff. So um, it affects probably a little bit to that linebacker position. I think the front four guys will be able to adjust to it very easily. Um, the backers really should should be able to adjust to it really easy. Why they don't do it, um, you know, I I have a hard time um, trying to understand that. And for me, if I if I were a coach and then I had that same, you know, kind of, and you know how obviously yeah, coaches have that. They are very. This is this is my way. This is how it is. Um, a lot of coaches have that demeanor to them. So you know. That may be part of it, but I guess if I were a coach, maybe I would consider 
starting in that three four, three four, reducing it down, bringing a guy up. All of a sudden, you know, you put uh, dis- disguise it if you want. Put a guy like, uh, um, uh, you know, bring Ben Sillian off the bench and put him in that, uh, you know, outside backer in the three four, and then all of a sudden you have one of the um, uh, Davis guys reduce down to a three and bring Silly up and bring him off the edge. And then all of a sudden you just transform in from your three, four to your four, three. And, you know, you can (laughs) be surprised how many people that would just go right over the top of their head. I mean, a lot of guys that watch football and really pay close attention to it would understand it. But um, I think there's a lot of just the normal fan that probably goes to every single game wouldn't even catch on to it until someone started talking about it. So I I don't know. That's that's my my thought on it. I don't really know how the you know the, why the coaches wouldn't try and do something like that, or at least have that package right there readily available. And then if it's working, don't change it. No, you you did play for you know. I mean, at Nebraska. I mean, you played for Nebraska. You played for Philadelphia. You played for Houston. The NFL. I mean. Mm-hmm. In terms of defensive philosophies, coaches really, they have very different ideas about how to do this, right? Absolutely. Uh, and and I, I speak to this because I played – okay, so background of, of me and my experience is obviously I played a 4-3 at Nebraska, strictly no matter what different formations or, you know, different – lineups we um, you know where we shifted or we played a little different here or there we're always strictly a gap responsibility team and it would it and that basically included everybody had their gap and and we would walk walk through or jog through plays with the running back and you could see how the play developed and it'd be like boom running back moves 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 um gaps full gaps full gaps full all the way to Here's the hole opening up. The back's going to take, and then your strong safety's right there. Everything is like spilled to the next guy, and you can see how it develops, and then you get a real good understanding of. It. Then I went on to Philly after that, played for Jim Johnson, which was an amazing defensive coordinator, and that's when I, we played. We played a lot of gap responsibility in the four three, um, but we also did a lot of two gap. So then I, I, that's why I say, well, I feel like I can speak about two-gapping because I understand that. I, I played that in Philly. And, and that is a very different um, approach to things when you're playing that two-gap. You're kind of sitting back on your heels, so to speak. You're almost in an offensive lineman stance. You're waiting for that offensive guy to move, and then you're attacking him after that. So it's, uh, it's a little bit different. When, when they – when they say two gap, basically, um, say you're lined up over the guard. Um, if the guard goes, it's a zone play to whatever. Say it's a if you're if you're looking at the offense and you're over the what I'm going to say would be the left guard. So as you're looking at them to your right would be B gap to your left would be A gap, and they run a, a zone play to the left, 
Now, all of a sudden, in the two-gap technique, we were supposed to be on the front side of that. So we would have the B-gap. Now, if they ran that zone play the opposite way, we are supposed to be on the front side of that block. Now we're responsible for the A-gap. So we we didn't have, when they say two-gap, we were... We could be, depending on how the play developed, responsible for the A or the B. It didn't necessarily mean you had to play those two gaps. Um, you know, like you were responsible for both of them. You just had the front side. You were just basically on the front side of it, no matter which way it went. That's why you always were sitting back and you're on your heels, waiting for them to move so you know which way to go. Um, and then, after that, I was fortunate enough to go to Houston where we played a 3-4. So I uh, was first on that as well. So I got I got my, my experience um, playing in the in a 3-4 defense. And, the, and, and um, Vic Fangio, coach of the Denver Broncos, now was my defensive coordinator there. Um, and what Vic liked is he liked linebacker play. So what better than a 3-4? He liked the speed. When you could bring in two outside, your two outside backers were, I mean, some of the guys that we had playing outside backer, I thought were, you know, the same size as a safety. You know, they they weren't really big, but they were fast. They could cover, um, and they could rush off the edge. So, you know, if you're going to play a 3-4, you better have someone like that. And that's maybe one of the things that I struggle with at Nebraska is, you tell me who is our outside backer that is our amazing pass rusher off the edge, plus can drop in the pass coverage, and I I couldn't tell you who that is. You know, you almost need uh, a Terrell Farley type of guy that when when he played backer, he would have been great in the, as an outside backer in the four uh, three or like a athlete like a, a Randy Stella, you know, someone like that that's Big, big enough, but also fast enough to tangle with the the big guys on the offensive line, or drop back into coverage and run with a back out of the backfield. That's a lot of information. <laughs> well, you're welcome. Well, you know, I mean, you know, when you're talking about how you know you're reading a guy, you're a, you know a or a B gap and a gap and front side and blah blah blah. I'm thinking. I always thought defensive tackles were like really dumb guys. <laughs> no, it's it's it. Um, there's there's a lot more to it, and it's one of those things. You know, you go from uh, high school to college to the NFL, and you know, every time you do it, it's like your playbook just gets thicker and thicker. Um, so it was it was a lot. And it was it's kind of neat that I had the the like I said the the experience that I did to be able to play in like you know a strictly gap control four three to playing in a four three with different we had some different looks that we had different packages in Philly and we played some two gap stuff and learning about that and then playing having the opportunity playing a three four so I understand that so having all that was very nice I was fortunate though coming out of high school. We played. I played uh, offense and defense in high school, so I was a left tackle on offense. Um, and 
maybe that helped my my football IQ a little bit from high school. Our, we ran a no huddle offense. Um, I would have been back in like 1997, and we ran a um, a no huddle offense. Everything was basically started out called out your formation, and then whether your formation was uh, right or left, told you um, which play call would be live, and then you had um, you know different sets. So you call like a like a llama. Tony Llama is a boot. You know, Ringo is a boot. Uh, you know, if we were going to run a trap play, it would be an animal, leopard, or a rabbit. You know, trap animals. So run a trap play. It was pretty cool in, in high school. I really developed a lot of my knowledge for football. And then obviously going on to Nebraska and stuff, there's, there's definitely a lot going on there. But, um, you know, it's kind of like, they teach at school just using associations with everything. And, and once you do that, you kind of memorize what you're supposed to do. So when you're uh, – I'm going to ask some really, like, base-level ignorant questions. I tend to follow the offense side more than the defense. But the number one thing sure. we hear coaches say about defensive, especially defensive linemen, is you said it earlier – uh, the guys didn't get off their blocks. What does that actually mean for people when they're watching a game well, or physically? I mean, basically what they're saying is you obviously see two guys uh, engage, right? You know, when uh, again, I'll go with the zone play because it's very common. Anyone that listens to this, you don't understand the zone. It's just kind of when they all go in unison, all the linemen go left or they go right, um, and they're kind of pushing guys, not only trying to push them backwards, but a little bit sideways and open up that crease. So when they say get an off a block, it's you watch when those guys get engaged, right? Right when the, the ball snapped and defensive linemen fires out, offensive linemen kind of fires out and they engage each other. So what they're trying to do when they say he's not getting off the clock is exactly that. They're engaged. A defensive lineman doesn't want to be stuck engaged with that offensive lineman. They want, as a defensive lineman, they want to get their hands on the offensive guy and be able to shed that block. So as the play's development, that ball carrier is coming to you if you're a defensive lineman that's doing your job right, you got your hands on that guy to where you can shed that blocker by throwing him one way or the other to get off of your block, freeing yourself up to make the tackle on the running back, if that makes sense. It does. So so people know this. Yeah, I played high school football back in the day when we had to do the chicken wing offensive line blocking. You know what I mean? We couldn't yeah. grab guys with your hands. And I think when most people – well, there's a lot of people that don't understand that offensive linemen can come out and grab the defensive linemen as long as they're not, like, hooking them, right? And that's where the right. inside coming into the jersey, why you guys wear these tight jerseys. That yeah, um, exactly. That's why you have the double-sided tape on your shoulder pads. Um, and – you know, so your jersey is super tight. I mean, there's guys all the time that, um, you know, they uh, 
they would do like a grease or I don't know what you want to call it, like Vaseline almost. <laughs> they try and get away with putting some of that. Not only you got double sided tape, then you got something oily on your outside of your jersey just so people can't get their hands on you. And it's the same for offensive and defensive linemen, right? Because this day and age, the offensive linemen, he as long he can get his hands on you and, and technically, you know, grab hold of you. Um, if if he gets his uh, hands into your chest, where they're inside of your shoulders, uh, basically that offensive lineman has the right to grab a hold of you. Now, as a defensive lineman, if you are chopping down on their arms or if you're turning and running, that's the point when they have to let go of you because as you're turning and running and the ref sees that, now that becomes a holding call. But as long as you are just standing right in front of that guy and trying to, uh, you know, we used to call it dancing. Why are you dancing with the guy? Get off of him. Go make a play, you know, because that's what it looks like. Two guys standing in front of each other, seeing who can push each other backwards. And it's like, no, as a defense lineman, get those hands of the offense guy off of you and free yourself up to go make a play. And that's, that's you know, more of what they're talking about when they say guys got to get off the block. You don't want to look like a couple pieces of Velcro stuffed together, you know. We won't be, even the guy wants to be past him or, uh, you know, rushing the passer. You want to get hip to hip. Once, as a defense lineman, you're hip to hip, you've won, you know, because that offensive like guy can only reach back, try and hook you with his arm, grab you. That's a holding penalty, or he's got to let you go. So, you, you, you got a lot of a lot of little things. It's like get the step one right. Get get the handle off and the guy off. Go make a play. Get hit to hip if you're past rushing. Then go make a play. You focus on that first part and it might make a difference in the rest of your game. I remember a, a, a defense. It was a Division One defensive coach telling me a few years ago that the difference between a really good defensive lineman. And a decent defensive lineman is their feet. Is that a correct statement? Um, I would say yes, and I would also, but I would say the hands is a big part of it too. A guy with a defensive lineman with amazing hands um, that has fast hands. Almost sometimes, you know, we would do uh, when I was there. Uh, Danny Noonan was one of our strength coaches. He worked with us, and one of the things he had us do sometimes was some like martial arts type of stuff, um, which was great for our hands. You kind of felt like, as the guys trying, you know, an offensive guys trying to get his hands on you, you're karate chopping and doing all that. Um, so the hands part, I would say, is, is a very important part of it. But here. The, the feet is, I mean, that's kind of like a, uh, I mean, if your feet are bad and you can't, if, if your hands are great but you can't move your feet, uh, then you're in trouble. Because footwork, when they when they talk about the footwork thing, it puts you in the position, right? So 
if you're responsible, say, let's say you're playing a um, a defense where you're head up on the guy, but you're responsible for a certain gap. Well, your foot, you're going to want that quick six-inch power step, is kind of what we called it, towards that gap that you're responsible for, right? So with good footwork, it makes it easy. You get your good first step, get your hands on a guy, and then you go. So the other thing about the footwork is once you get that first step, well, let me back up. So that first step, if you do that right, obviously it makes it a lot easier. Now you do that wrong. Say you take a giant long step. Well, I mean, it's obvious. Go stand out in the yard with your buddy and put it to the test. Take a short six-inch step with your feet shoulder-width apart and take six-inch step. Have your buddy push you so you can fall over. Then take like a three-foot, you know, a big long step where you're one leg's out in front of the other a long ways and have that same guy push you and then see which one you feel more stable with. I mean, that's where that footwork comes in. Then the follow with that is your next step, right? So you're coming, you step, say you step with your left foot first and your right foot's coming is making sure that right foot's in the right spot and you're not, your base is always underneath of you and you're not putting, you, you don't want your feet getting crossed over. I mean, it all becomes a balance thing, right? So keeping your feet in a position where you are um, sturdy and stable as opposed to feet getting crossed up, feet, you know, some, one of your uh, feet getting out in front of you too far, things like that is where it makes a, a big difference. They, you know, coaches, we, we do tons of footwork drills, and then, like when you're in high school, um, a lot of coaches would in, encourage things like uh, doing wrestling or playing basketball or things like that because they were all they were things that could help you with that footwork. All right, I, I'll probably ask you a couple more questions. Again, another very simple one that I think people uh, we talk about this stuff, but we don't really know what we're talking about. You have a when you're playing football, like at the University of Nebraska in the NFL, they control your playing weight, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, like when I was at Nebraska, uh, we were allowed to uh, take like creatine and glucosamine and some of these um, pills and powders and shapes and stuff like that that um, they kind of, I think, since done away with just because they decided that it wasn't fair because not all schools have enough money to buy that stuff for people. But, like, yeah, when I played, I mean, obviously we had um, Dave Ellis was there then, and um, he was our sports nutritionist and basically would help you with a meal plan as to what you should eat for the body, like whether you needed to lose or gain weight um, or your body fat was too high or, you know, things like that. So um, mix that, your diet with, you know, um, your weight room routine. And, yeah, they, 
um, they pretty much control what what you uh, you know what your size and and strength was kind of going to be like. Really, is 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 what they did. It it was it was kind of you know suggested, I guess. I know one time my body fat was getting a little too high, like it is now. But <laughs> they, uh, uh, but Dave Ellis, he, he said, he goes, well, here's, you know, kind of, here's the list of foods I, I think you should be eating at the training table. You know, we need to kind of just watch this, get it back under control, da da da, tells you all this stuff. Um, so then later that night, we're at the training table. He walks in comes over and looks at my tray. He's like, really? He's like, you think those are the right choices? I had like fried chicken and who knows what else on my on my tray after I just had this meeting with him. So they make suggestions. They don't really force you to do anything, but they do definitely um, guide you in a certain way. I mean, I, I think I showed up on campus. I was probably like 250, 55, maybe 255, somewhere in there. And um, just from my freshman year to my sophomore year, uh, you know, I, I jumped up 30 pounds, got like 285 the next year, and it was, you know, good weight. So they do control a lot of that, and they help a lot of that. Um, the big thing with it is making sure that these guys don't lose their athleticism, athleticism in the process because. Basically, you know, you start putting too much weight on a guy that can't handle it. Now he's slow. He's not as, you know, not as agile, things like that. So there's this, it's a, it's a really a fine line that they have to follow. That's, that's kind of what I was going at. I mean, it, it seems that there's a balancing act. How easy is that to change during the season? I mean, if you feel like, I'm 10 pounds overweight and I'm slower. Do you just drop 10 pounds? You know what I mean? Um, a little bit. Uh, it would help. There are, there are guys. I know I can, I can speak from experience with myself. Is I would, um, you a lot of times you'll naturally, um, or at least when, when I played, I can say that I would naturally just kind of, lose weight over this over the season um and and it did sometimes it did help just with that it, it did make me feel like i was a little bit faster um it's like so getting that right balance in there you you'll lose some weight during the season um we we did things like when we were at nebraska you know you still lifted some weights trying to maintain that so i guess for me it would be more of a a situation for these guys like okay if if you're a big guy playing a line you feel good everything feels good and you want to maintain that weight you're on i would probably make sure i'm getting all the calories i need so i'm not losing anything at practice i'm getting all the liquids i need and i'd also make sure um after practice i'm doing enough in the weight room to maintain that weight i want to be at and then, you know, if I'm a guy that feels like, you know, 
through training camp and stuff. They're feeding us all the time. I was eating like crazy, and I kind of started to get, um, you know, I, I lost weight in, in two days. But then after that, I kind of kept eating and trying to get it back back my weight. And then I went too far. And then, you know, obviously those guys should probably think about doing a little bit different, taking the the right amount of good foods that they should be eating, and then in the weight room doing maybe lighter reps, uh, lighter, more reps, you know, lighter lighter weight with more reps and trying to maintain their strength without bulking up at all. Um, little, little things like that. I it's, It can be done throughout the season, but the same sense, you're also talking about college kids that it just takes a lot of discipline to do that as well. Well, I get my my college life involved uh, many many late nights and uh, lots and lots of beer. So I, yeah. I can't even come close to. I mean, put it this way: I wasn't disciplined when I was doing my studying. So this level of discipline is, you know, I got better at it after I got out of college and I started a career. But uh, that level of discipline in college, I mean, no. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, it it was, and it, you know, it's so different too. Uh, when you think about these these kids, like for me, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I live in the dorms. You know, you had to live in the dorms as a freshman. So I live in the dorms as a freshman, and you know, it's your first time really out on your own, and you know, the you get done with your practices and all that stuff, you get back to the dorm, and, and you're sitting there, and it's like. Hey, let's order a pizza. It's almost like you're kind of like boredom, boredom eating because you're sitting there like, hey, let's order a pizza, and then all of a sudden start doing that all the time, and you're backing on this unnecessary weight, bad weight at that, you know, with the wrong foods. Um, so yeah, you're right. It's it's very easy. It, it got it was one of those things that it, I think it got easier. As I got older, I moved out off out of the dorm. Still, still would want to do some of those things, but it's just I think the you you, you just grow. You know, obviously you get older, you're kind of getting wiser. Guys like Dave Ellis telling you, hey, you need to lose a few pounds or you need to eat better foods. And when you actually are uh, smart enough to listen to someone that knows, instead of being a 18, 19 year old kid that knows it all, uh, then you got a shot to actually, you know, do what you're supposed to do at Nebraska. And that's, you're there to play football. And what's going to help you play football is being in great shape. So, did you surround yourself with people that that's where the accountability thing comes in? It even came in with ordering pizza? Well, yeah. So, that's a good point. Um, when I lived in the dorms, I, I had some friends there that obviously were the football players, but a lot of my friends were just regular students and I didn't care if they were eating pizza and drinking beer on Tuesday night. I mean, they just had to get up and go to class the next day. It was about, you know, they didn't have practice or anything like that. So you start hanging around people like that. Obviously you're going to, it's like anything, right? You hang out with, um, 
druggies, eventually you're going to start to do the same thing. So it's kind of one of those things where surrounding yourself by the right people uh, in anything makes a lot of difference in the way you're going to trend. Fortunately for me, when I did move out um, off campus, you know, one of the guys I lived with was uh, Chris Kelsey, who, one, is just kind of naturally a shredded guy, but he also was very good about being disciplined on what he ate. I mean, he would eat some bad stuff every once in a while, right? I mean, gotta gotta live a little, but he was very disciplined about it. It would make a guy like me, if I wanted to eat something bad, make me feel guilty if I'm watching him eat broccoli while I'm trying to shove down a pizza, you know? So it it helps, like you said, who you surround yourself with. Wow. This, you know, this all sounds like it's way more complex than any of us just, I just want to yell at my TV on Saturday and watch us win. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) You're watching a completely different game than I am when we're watching football. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. I'll be watch it's i see the game a little bit differently than most people I, I, at least in my opinion i do because like we'll be watching the game and you i'll see like i'll see like the flag thrown i'll be like yep holding and they're like what you know and you're watching the game with someone like that I, I didn't see that where where was that and i'm like right there you know as the play develops you kind of see how everything is is developing and it's not just a lot of times people are just watching they see like either the guy runs far or he does you know he gets stopped short or whatever you know and there's more the internal development of the play is kind of how i watch it and i see how everything kind of breaks down and unfolds um but that's just kind of you you know years of training i guess of on doing that because when you're playing defense line, for example, we had all kinds of reads. We had keys and stuff as to this guy does this, and you see a flash go across your face, and you do this, and that kind of stuff. So you kind of got, um, you're, you're just trained to it to where it becomes second nature. Is it impossible to watch football with you? No, not at all. Not, really? I, I don't really, I don't, I, I can. I see stuff like that, and I'll say stuff like that, but not all the time. A lot of times, I I just sit there and kind of kind of watch with everybody else, and you know, good play, I cheer with them, and bad play, I I I. It's actually, I would say, a lot of people probably um, that I've watched games with enjoy it because they'll have questions. Well, why why they do that or that? And well, here's what he was trying to accomplish, and this guy was supposed to like this and this this, you know, so. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense, you know. And so just saying, well, they're terrible. That was that was horrible. Why'd they do that, you know? Like, they actually can maybe get a little bit of that understanding of here's what they were trying to do, but unfortunately the guys they're going against are, you know, they're on scholarship too. They're just like we'd say in the NFL, yeah, he's getting a paycheck too. So, you know, you have plays and schemes designed, but, it doesn't mean the other team doesn't have any of that stuff designed to counter it. I have been, uh, I'll be honest. I, nobody watches football with me. 
Uh, part of that is because I'm an antisocial person. But it's, <laughs> honestly, it's because over the years with my, you know, I have three adult kids and my wife, uh, I would turn into a screaming and honestly profane person when I was watching football. I don't do that as much as I used to just because, you know, maybe I'm older, but uh, I was terrible, you know. Plus, I, I've been running a website for 12 years, so I do stuff like be on a game thread and being on computer the entire time. But uh, I pretty much, I think, ruined Nebraska football for my wife. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can I, understand that. I, I, I'm the same way a, a little bit as my – I prefer – like, you know, you're always – like, you know, living here in, in Omaha, you know, I work in Lincoln. So, um, you know, I'm around it all the time. And then being invited to like, oh, we're having a bunch of people over to watch the game or so. I don't necessarily enjoy it. I don't, I don't like watching with huge groups myself. I prefer to watch a game with small groups so I can really actually watch the game and focus, see what's going on or it's not just uh the game's on in the background as you're at a social event. So I, I get that a little bit. I like to watch them actually pay attention and see what's happening. All right. So we should wrap up. Uh, do you want to tell people what you do now? Sure, I can. Uh, now I'm, I actually uh, I work for uh, NMC, which is Nebraska Machinery. Um, we're a Caterpillar dealer uh, for the state of Nebraska. So basically, my job now is selling heavy equipment, which is which is actually it's obviously a lot different than football, but uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, all the I always, I always tell people that I said when you're stuck at road construction, there's a big old machines tearing out the concrete out of the road or something like that. Yep. I sold them that machine so they could make you stop in traffic, but uh, all that kind of stuff. It's fun. I saw a lot of that earth moving equipment, the, the bulldozers and things like that. So it's a, it's a pretty neat little gig and I enjoy it. You probably work with somebody in my family, I'm guessing, but um, I think, you know what? I think that's, we're going to wrap that up. Uh, I mean, we've talked about, you know, the end of the season's coming. It went fast, faster. It always goes fast. It takes oh, so yeah. many months to it takes so many months to get there, and then it's just like boom, and it's gone. Yeah, it does. It, it you're right. It it it's like you August comes around, and you're getting all hyped up for it, and then feels like uh, all of a sudden, boom, the season's over. Okay, but, here comes the outro, which I guess is different than the intro. Uh, this is John's post-life crisis. We've been talking with Jeremy Slechta, former defensive tackle for Nebraska. Uh, I hope you all have a good day. Thanks for listening.